0: Welcome to Church on the Edge, a podcast designed to challenge you and help you rethink what church is and what church should be. This is your host, Dan Armistead. You can learn more about me on my website, danarmistead.com and follow me through my regular post under the heading of Church on the Edge on both medium.com and and Substack.com, where I invite and challenge you to live life on the edge like Jesus. Pearls of Great Price. That's our theme for this fall season's podcast from Church on the Edge. And we've been looking at God's wisdom and ways and the great need for followers of Jesus in our day to seek that wisdom, to seek that pearl of great price. You know, there's a lot of worldly wisdom in the church today. And the truth is, for those who are willing to hear it, that a whole lot of what God is doing in our day, he's doing, well, he's doing outside the institutional, structured, typical church, just like in Jesus's day. One of the major themes of all four Gospels is the continuing conflict between Jesus and the religious institution of Judaism in his day. I want you to think of all those stories of Jesus in the synagogues throughout Israel, doing things and saying things, to put it mildly, that uh, broke the mold, that upset the synagogue rulers. And it wasn't too long before the head religious honchos in Jerusalem began sending out delegations of heretic hunters to examine this upstart, uneducated, rural rabbi from Galilee. Jesus was in hot water with the established religious structures in his day, and he was in hot water in a hurry. It didn't take long. And in time, those religious leaders thinking and believing in their hearts that they were doing God a great service. They accused their promised Messiah of blasphemy and heresy, and they murdered him. They crucified him. You see, it wasn't Rome that crucified Jesus. It was the movers and shakers among his own people that nailed him to that cross. And we read in the gospel stories how they stood at the foot of the cross and mocked their Messiah. Think about that. They wanted to watch him suffer. They followed him to the cross, and and they mocked him. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself. If he's the Son of God, let him come down from that cross, they taunted. And in so doing, they demonstrated just how ungodly they were and how their wisdom was nothing more than the wisdom of the world. I want you to listen to these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. We declare God's wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. And now I want you to listen to what comes next in verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Can I be honest? Eh, nothing has changed. The rulers of this age they're still walking in worldly wisdom, wisdom that is anti Christ, wisdom that is in reality foolishness, blindness, wisdom that the half brother of Jesus, same mother, different fathers, but wisdom that the half brother of Jesus, James, describes in these words earthly, unspiritual, that word unspiritual actually means animalistic, and demonic. Earthly, unspiritual, demonic, that's how James describes worldly wisdom. that was in James chapter 3, verse 15. And immediately following that, in verse 16, he says this about worldly wisdom. There, he says, speaking of where worldly wisdom is, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Every evil practice. I don't know if you've seen the Hulu documentary entitled God Forbid, The scandal that brought down a dynasty, but that is exactly what James is warning about when it comes to those who choose to live in worldly wisdom. I want to warn you about that documentary. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's not for those with a weak stomach. It documents every evil practice, and it demonstrates the demonic and satanic infiltration of evangelical Christianity at the highest levels. And I want you to listen to the words of 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, and, and keep in mind that he's talking about church leaders here. The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment before them. The sins of others trail behind them. In other words, the sins of some are revealed in this life, and we are seeing a great deal of this in the church today. The scandals of well-known, prominent pastors and teachers, university leaders, presidents, shocking. And the truth is, it's a long list. But there are many others out there that we're not seeing Plenty of others whose sins are trailing behind them, not yet exposed, and maybe never exposed in this lifetime, but but they're there. I tell you, worldly wisdom is rampant in the church today, just as it was in the religious institutions of Judaism in Jesus' day. And at the roots of this worldly wisdom, we find what James refers to as envy and selfish ambition. That's how he describes worldly wisdom. It is filled with envy and selfish ambition. Listen to these words spoken by the Roman governor, Pilate, about the motives of the religious leaders who brought Jesus to the governor so he could impose the death penalty, which only Rome was able to do. Matthew chapter 27, verse 18. For Pilate knew it was out of envy that they, the religious leaders, had delivered Jesus up to him. But now all this brings us back to the passage in the 11th chapter of Matthew that we began looking at in last week's episode. John the Baptist is in prison for doing what the calculating political religious leaders of his day failed to do for calling out the immoral and godless lifestyle of King Herod. And there in that dark, damp dungeon of Bacchorus, John begins to struggle with doubts. He begins to question if Jesus, the one he'd call the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he begins to question if Jesus really is the promised Messiah. John the Baptist should serve as an example to to all of us of just how easily we can miss God's wisdom in ways. I mean, it is so easy to be sucked into worldly thinking. Anyway, John sends some of his disciples to ask Jesus this question. Are you the one? Are you really the Messiah, or or should we look for another? And I love how Jesus responds. No rebuke, no harsh words, no lesson from the scriptures, none of that. He simply points to his deeds, his lifestyle, the nature of his ministry. And Jesus says, you go and tell John what you see. He says the blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the poor, the outcast, the down and out, they're hearing good news from God. Who is wise and understanding among you, asked James. Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility of wisdom. James chapter 3, verse 13. Deeds, not doctrine. It's how we live what we do that demonstrates our relationship with God through his son, Jesus, that is the sign of godly wisdom. And we touched on this last week, but I really want to zero in on it today. Jesus then turns to the crowds, and after the disciples of John are gone, I want you to listen to what he says, beginning in Matthew chapter 11, verse 7. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, Jesus asked the crowds. I love that. Think about that. John's minister was in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness, and yet people flocked to hear him. And they responded to his message because it was a message from God by a man of God. And Prostitutes, tax collectors, rough Roman soldiers stepped into the muddy Jordan and were baptized in large numbers. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, Jesus asked? A reed shaken by the wind? <laughs> in other words, someone who looks his finger and tests which way the wind is blowing, always looking out for number one, seeking to make a name for himself. Is that what you saw and heard in John, asked Jesus? And then he continues, When you went out in the wilderness, he asked, Did you find there a man dressed in fine clothes? No, Jesus says, those who wear fine clothes, designer suits, well, they're in king's palaces, the halls of worldly power. But no, not John, not this man. John is the one who called out the king, who refused to lose his soul and gain the world, who had the courage to take a stand for what was right and who demonstrated the integrity found in true men and women, true servants of God. And then Jesus continues, and he asks this question, Well then, what did you go out to see? And he answers himself, he says, A prophet. A prophet. Someone who had the courage to speak the word of God come what may. Someone who refused to give in to worldly wisdom and worldly ways, who was willing to pay the price to be God's servant. And the result again, the people flocked to hear him. Not the high and mighty. They didn't flock to hear him, but the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the soldiers, oh, so often looked down upon and written off by the religious leaders and institutions. And it's not found in this passage in Matthew, but in the same story recorded by Luke in his gospel, Luke goes on and he adds these words. Listen, all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Once again, we see so clearly in the gospel narratives the rejection of God's wisdom and God's ways by the established institutional religion and its leaders. What a contrast between John and those on the inside, the power brokers of Judaism. Once again, deeds, lifestyle, integrity, fearlessness, willing to take a stand regardless of the cost. That was John. And John went to prison because of his integrity and willingness to confront sin and speak God's word. He confronted the sin of a leader, of a king. Oh, for men and women who are willing to do that today. And can I pause here for a full moment? And ask you a, a personal question: Are you one of those men or women? You say, "Well, Dan, I'm a nobody." No, you're not. I want you to listen to these words of Jesus from this same eleventh chapter of Matthew, verse twenty-five. At that time, Jesus said, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you." were pleased to do I'd like to just share a personal word here if I might you know when I applied for the pastoral position here at Embrace Church in High Point North Carolina, the leaders looked at my resume and you know they were very honest with me they asked me why do you want to come to our little church <laughs> I have what many would call a high-powered resume. And the truth is, I could be a lot of other places, a lot of other churches, but, and and I'm just being honest here, I don't ever want to go back to Egypt. I don't ever want to dine on leeks and onions again. I don't ever want to go back to the typical, traditional, institutional church. Never, ever, ever again. I've walked away from prestige and worldly influence, from ambition that chokes the life out of a person's soul, And I've become a nobody from nowhere, at least in the eyes of the institutional church. But none of that, none of that matters to me. Because what I want to be is a somebody from somewhere in the eyes of God. And you can be that man or woman as well. Whatever whatever high-powered resume or status you may or may not have, I want to tell you it's available to you, this kingdom life, this pearl of great price. It's available for all those who really want it, who hunger for it, who are willing to make whatever sacrifices are necessary to obtain it. And I got to tell you something. I'm telling you this. It's great. It's great. It's not easy, but it's great. And it is rewarding. And it is filled with joy and a real sense of contentment and the presence of God. And I want you to know, you can be a part of it. But now before we're done today, I want us to look at the words of Jesus, beginning in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 11, where he says, To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to the other children, we played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Children playing. (laughs) Quarreling because like children often do, they want everything their way. Play our game. Dance to our tune. March to the beat of our drum. That's why the religious leaders refused John's baptism. He wasn't a part of their group. He wasn't doing things their way, and neither was Jesus. John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. He's not one of us. He's not a man of God. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he's a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of sinners. He's certainly not one of us. We are the people of God. But wisdom, says Jesus, lady wisdom is proved right by her deeds. By wisdom her deeds. There are so many heretic hunters in the church today, so many defenders of doctrine, but nowhere does Jesus say God's people will be known by their correct doctrine. No, God's people are known by their deeds, their lifestyle, how they live, their relationships with others, all others, Treating others with grace and as neighbors, seeking to find common ground, peacemakers. In James 3, walking in godly wisdom, and these are the words of James open to reason. Wisdom is proved right by her deeds. And what does it mean when Jesus makes wisdom a woman? Well, I don't know. I'll leave the answer to that question up to you, my friends. But one thing I do know, and that is that God's wisdom and ways are open to all who are genuinely seeking to live and walk in his kingdom, to live and walk in the way of Jesus. This has been Church on the Edge with Dan Armistead, rethinking what church is and what church should be. If you like this episode, please leave a review at your preferred podcast provider, and you can find out more about this podcast as well as my articles, coming books, and more at danarmistead.com. And remember, it's all about Jesus and following him as his church on the edge.